Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. Guys of a Certain Age back on. We're talking about Arts Week Geek week for geek. the week. Geek Week of the Week. I'm Robbie Koblenz, joined by Art Sherling, who I talked about earlier and Jay Reed. Jay's back yet again. Two weeks in a row. Congratulations. I don't know. How about that? Or are you lurch? Lurch. You sound very I did sound a little lurchy in there. You rag. You rag. All right. Well, we've got a big uh, second half of this episode. It's the conclusion of my interview with Roland Mann. He gets into uh, the Marvel years, and it's a lot of fun. Plus, Silverline. Uh, so, we're going to keep these pretty quick. Make mine Silverline. Wow. Okay. For me with the tagline, I guess not. Oh, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. So oh. It's fascinating. It, it's really a fascinating conversation about how how they started Silverline, uh-huh. but you'll listen to it yeah. in a minute. So, anyway, what's your geek art? My Geek of the Week is about Alex Proya's Dark City. Have y'all seen that movie? I saw that. I saw your geek. I almost did it as mine this yeah, morning. Yeah, I just yeah. had forgotten about it. And then I it, love that movie. Yeah, it's really... And it's one that I had not seen until recently. Really? Uh, maybe I saw it when it first came out. It came out in 1998. I'm sure I saw it then and kind of forgot about it. And then it was Why don't on, you summarize it for... It was Amazon. It's uh, <laughs> for Jay. <laughs> Uh, I can't see you I, point, Robbie. <laughs> I was trying to be subtle. You know, I wasn't going to... It's know, a neo-noir out. sci-fi movie that has Kiefer Sutherland in it. And there's this... Oh, it's not Kiefer Sutherland. It's not it's Kiefer Sutherland. Ruf, Rufus Seward. Sewell. I thought Kiefer Sutherland was in it. Maybe I got the wrong movie altogether. Yeah, you want to make a little bet on that? Sure. I mean, no. It's uh, Rufus... Uh, yeah, Rufus Sewell. Yeah, well, Kiefer Sutherland's in it. Yes, you're right. I'm right. We're both right at one time. Jennifer Connelly's in it. Wow. Uh, Maybe and, you should summarize. I've been, anyway, and Alex my, Proyas directed it. Yeah. So, all right, I'll shut up now. That's okay. So, uh, but anyway, they're they're thinking about turning that into a TV series, and I don't see this as a streaming service attached to it yet. I didn't see that. Yeah. Either. But uh, that would be kind of cool. David Goyer wrote it. Yeah. yeah who, right. who did mm-hmm. Batman? Bat. Uh, let's see. Batman Rises. He did a bunch of the Nolan. He's written a lot of DC stuff. Is so. that a comic based movie? Dark City. I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. Yeah. No, no. It was it was written by um, it was written by Proyas, Lim Dobbs, and David S. Goyer. The so. movie was the original movie. Yeah, the right? original yeah. movie. Not uh, not it's. Sh- I mean, oh okay. I'm looking here. Mystery Clock Cinema was the production company. So yeah, no. It's a. Um, it is great. Just cool look. Yeah. Um, it's got a twist in it. We won't talk to you mm-hmm. about that. But if you get a chance, it's only 100 minutes long. Yeah. How shot. do you watch it now? Well, you use your eyes first. got to make I sure. I think it may be on Prime. I think okay. it's on Prime. Yeah. So. Which, you know, maybe this is another geek I can do to salvage that geek. But do y'all. That was a great geek. It is a great geek. I just don't know much about it. Yeah. You know, we don't have much information on it. Uh, yeah. The, in terms of the show coming out, that's good news. We just don't have a lot of information about it yet. But are you all familiar with the app Just Watch? No. no, it's a, it's a iPhone app. I'm sure it's available for Android and other devices as well. But uh, you put it in there, and you can find out uh, where your movie that you're looking for is streaming. Oh, okay. oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You did salvage that a little bit. <laughs> Good. Just, just a touch. So uh, what? What is it? Watch app. Just watch. Just, just watch. watch. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with WhatsApp. So yeah, that's cool. All right, what you got there, Jay Meister? I've got two little stories. 
one from the DC Universe and one from Marvel. Uh, That's almost a crossover. The DC story is a local story. You know, we're kind of, we mentioned in the last episode how we're kind of in this weird time now where, as far as pandemic goes, and you see there's still masks around and some no mask and all that, and this is not a story about whether you should or shouldn't. But I saw, I was in Walmart this morning, I saw a little, a family, and there was a dad who was not wearing a mask, there was a mom who was wearing a mask, and they were pushing the cart. Maybe a two-year-old little girl, you know, however old she was, she was small enough to be in the seat. She's wearing a Batman cowl like yours, Art, like the one that you... <laughs> That's what I'm talking That's good parenting right That's there. Right. I mean, it covers to her nose, nothing else. Yeah. But if she's, I mean, she's maybe two, but she's, I think, pretty sure she had a cape on and a little dress and, and a Batman cowl. It was so funny and cute. That's really so good. That's just a little story from, from DC. And my Marvel news is the Avengers campus opened... I believe this week or as, as we, we record, record. Yeah. yeah, on um, Disney California Adventure Park. So this yeah. is in California, which probably means I'll never see it. But um, Adventure Park, they've got a Spider-Man kind of a ride, a Guardian of the Galaxy ride, and then there's Doctor Strange and Avengers Headquarters, things that you can walk yeah. through. But I, what caught my attention was the food, of course. Uh-huh. Um, they have some interesting stuff there. Um, the PIM Test Kitchen, okay, where you can get a... Uh, I forget what they call it. It's basically a Caesar salad, but it's a giant stalk of of romaine and, and like one enormous crouton, oh, that's which, which is you know something like that. And the chicken sandwich is uh, you can just imagine um, the biggest chicken fried steak you've ever seen and the tiniest you know like a slider bun on top of that. That's so it's a big yeah. chicken. So that's, everything is sized. That's fun. Yeah, and they have a ninety nine ninety nine like a hundred dollar sandwich that obviously is meant to share, but it's the Pim something Pim sandwich and. Anyway, fun stuff there. They've got a shawarma palace. Shawarma. Let's go get shawarma. Let's go get shawarma. Terran treats, little food cart. And Terran, word for earthling, I looked it up. Yes. Terra. Earth is known as Terra. But when I looked it up, it it was all Star Trek references. Does it have Avengers reference as well? I've always heard this. I've heard Terran in comic books and stuff forever, both DC, Marvel. Okay, so it's a a universal term. And a bunch of sci-fi. Universal term. I see what you did there. It's your solar system, Bo J. Uh, <laughs> and I, I didn't see a picture of this, but in the the PIM testing lab is a, basically a, a lounge bar kind of thing, and apparently they have a flight <laughs> of beers, and but so the the beer are in these tiny little beer steins on a giant oversized ruler, so it's got little and small. So anyway, this is just the whole idea of of Ant Man sort of sized things there. But one day maybe I'll eat something My sister, from there. Just yeah. Got back from that. Went there not too long ago. Uh, her son, my nephew, lives in LA, and they went out to uh, and did Disneyland, did the Star Wars stuff. She said it is incredible. Okay, yeah. Speaking of Star Wars, we haven't talked that a about good segue. That. that was a good segue. Right. So uh, Jay, forget uh, forget Pim's Test Kitchen and all that <laughs> stuff. You need to sign up for the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Oh yes, we talked about that. What's the tab on that? Because all I've seen is two people. It's like forty five hundred bucks. Two people, two days, two nights. Can't you actually go into space with Richard Branson for less? (laughs) (laughs) Really? So it's it's all it's a complete immersive environment. So you get there and you got all kinds of stuff going on. So I don't I don't know if you're. I think your your Star Wars clothing is completely optional, but you would fit right in. Clothing not optional. <laughs> Whether or not you are yeah, dressed in the Star, Star Wars, Wars fashion. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's right. So it's uh, kind of a choose your adventure thing, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think we've talked about it on here before. Did we talk about it? I think I have. Well, it was, it was, when once. it was announced, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. It was at that point, it was still like long in the future. So now it's actually. Yeah. It's supposed there to be on 2022. Uh, yeah. And they, they set pricing. You can do a reservation. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, and we all thought we might be going. Yeah, yeah, not for forty five. <laughs> yeah. So and you can add two kids to the cabin, right? And it adds another like twelve hundred dollars. So it gets you to for a family of four, it gets you in the neighborhood of six k's. So so empty nest is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> do you think there's any possibility you might do that? For forty five hundred dollars, yeah, unlikely. I am a huge Star Wars fan, and I could not see doing that. And I was excited uh, about it, you know. But you know, I'm like, oh, I, no. you know, I I can't say that Maybe it we'll hasn't crossed it my mind once they see how many reservations they get. I think they're probably filling up. I don't quick. know. Maybe Becky will surprise me for that for like a big anniversary. Uh, We're going to, yeah, no, no, no. no. It's about the same as a cruise. It's not. Yeah, yeah but, but the cruise not, lasts longer. <laughs> well, a little, a little. Unless we're cruising to space, it's going to be a real hard thing to sell. Uh, well, so I wanted to bring that out. That wasn't going to be my geek of the week, but you go to Pim's Test Kitchen. Um, so I saw where the Roddenberry estate is digitizing all of Gene Roddenberry's Star Wars assets to make them into NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Yeah. So Art, you could take a scan of the, you can own the NFT of the original Enterprise. Okay. Yeah, probably was going to be a little bit more expensive than the than the two nights. Yeah, again, so, probably not something I'm going to do. No, no. But I thought it was pretty fascinating that they're going through and they're doing high high quality scans of the of the ships that he's got in his uh-huh. in his collection, and so they're going to take the entire thing digital, and you wow. can own a piece of Star Trek digital history. So. I thought that was kind of cool. And they're they're employing some artists to come in and help. I saw where Alex Ross is being brought in oh. to help do some things. I actually have started to follow Alex Ross on Twitter. I follow him on Instagram. He is, yeah. uh, man, he is so good. Oh, my gosh. He's so yeah, good. Really but, good. Really, really good. But anyway, so NFTs for everyone. So and yeah. That's Starship something I haven't really understood why that exists but well okay. you know it, it we won't get into this on the on the podcast we've talked but, about them before yeah yeah yeah, yeah but I, it's just an it, episode yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right all right so that's going to do it for the three more of us Roland. yeah more Roland. he gets into Silverline, which is this comic book series uh comic book company it's really yeah. fascinating there's three mm-hmm. phases of it there will be a test later jay okay yeah we'll listen all right so we'll see you guys next week you'll see me on the other side of the break with Roland man we're back, true believers. This is the second half. We hope it's the second half. This may be part two of three, three of four, who knows, with uh, my talk with Roland Mann, uh, the famed editor writer of the Lita Ford Rocket comic book from way back in the Malibu days. Wow. Yeah. I had, again, had no idea, Roland. Had no idea. So that's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I, I really thought you were lobbing me a softball, yeah. dude. So when, when, uh, when last we met, Roland had just had lunch with stan lee yep yeah so that was uh, a highlight of my time at at at, uh, malibu then what happened next when when did you leave malibu and then i mean marvel went into bankruptcy somewhere in there yeah yeah so so um so the purchase the 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 marvel purchase of, of malibu happened in 94 and the industry was already seeing signs of decline i mean we, we had this boom the the independent boom of the 80s uh which led into an uh, uh, an industry-wide boom in the early 90s that's when we got you know the 
the death of Superman graphic novel sold something like 8 million copies. And we had X-Men comics selling 5 million copies, you know, and, and there was a lot of marketing behind that, uh, of course. But but we had this boom in which there was a lot of money in the uh, in comics in the early 90s. But, uh, you know, Malibu was looking for a, a purchaser partly because, you know, hey, we were, you know, we, we they could see the signs and sales were declining overall. Uh, a little known fact is is uh, before the DC thing and before the Marvel thing, uh, Malibu almost became Paramount Comics. Really? Um, yep. They absolutely loved the way we handled, and now, and I say we, I didn't have anything to do with it, but they loved the way we as a company handled the Star Trek comics, and they hated the way DC did it. Ah, right? sure. So, so yeah, they were talking about buying the company. <laughs> wow. And, and becoming, and we were it becoming, and I remember us talking about it in the, in the office, and and ultimately, I, I I don't remember why that fell through, but ultimately it, it did, and I think some of it had to do with with they had a contract with DC that um, that even had they published, I'm sorry, even had they purchased us, they would have, you know, there's still a contract with DC they would have had to honor, and and I just think it just, you know, they're like, ah, we don't want to do comics kind of thing, you know. You know, one of the theories I've heard about the the demise of the comic book shop uh, in in the comic book industry was the rise of Magic the Gathering. Um, huh. I mean, so I talked to you know our common friends uh, Rob and Steve Snail who had yeah. Gun Dog Comics here, um, and you know they kind of have pointed to and some other folks in conversations um, the disposable income that was being spent on comics ended up transferring to Magic, um, and you ended up magic just just exploding and maybe the the comic book industry overbuilt um you know how many different promotional covers were there for oh my goodness you know an x-men yeah. book or a batman book or what have you right. and, and you know back back at the time we're talking about you you had detective comments you had um you had batman and that was it and right. this was before Shadow of the Bat and every other Bat spinoff. Same thing for X Men. <laughs> yeah. You know, you had X Men, you had New Mutants, and you had uh, then you had X Force that came on. Uh -huh. Then you had the classic X Men X Factor, and then you had uh, yeah, yeah, uh, X Factor before X Force. I'm sorry, it's mm -hmm. X Force, New Mut. I mean X Factor, New Mutants, and X Men, and then. Yeah. The X books exploded. You had yep. you know X Men Red, X I mean X Men Blue, X Men Gold, X Men <laughs> yeah. Pink, Chartreuse, X, X Man. Yeah, and, and it <laughs> yeah. just it overbuilt so quickly. Yeah. You could no longer go to your comic book shop and pick up a run of books. You mm -hmm. you had to invest so much money to keep current because of all the crossovers and what have you. So anyway, yeah, I mean, you know. So, so Marvel declares bankruptcy back in the bad old yeah. days. Where does that put? Uh, where does that put Roland in the industry? Yeah, um, well, they, they declared bankruptcy, and in the span of two days, um, they fired uh, about four hundred people. Um, the funny thing about that is, and there's nothing funny about it, but, you know. But but the funny thing about it is, we kind of knew it was coming because. Um, oh, so our president, the, the Malibu president, was Scott Rosenberg. So um, he comes to us one day and says, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm going to New York tomorrow." They called and, and said they need to, they need me to come up there, right? He says, "I'm leaving in the morning." Now you got to keep in mind this is before cell phones and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I come into to work the next day, 
And we're getting these phone calls from creators. Did you hear this guy was fired? Did you hear this guy was fired? All these Marvel office editors are being fired. And we can't call Scott Rosenberg because he's in, he's our president, right? He's on a plane flying to New York City. And so looking back, we know that was absolutely 100% intentional. They put him on a plane while he was on the plane. They fired everybody in, in New York and came out to us the next day mm. and fired us. Um, and, and so while this, the weird thing is all this was happening in New York, right? Uh, I didn't get any work done that day. We, we, we were, t- you know, we were taking phone calls and me and Hank and Jim and, and several of the other guys, we were talking about it and we were like, you know, they put, this is intentional. They're coming for us next. And, uh, several of us saw the writing on the wall. I, 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 I kid you not. I called BJ and I said, bring the car. I'm packing up my office oh, uh, and, and because I was afraid. I had listen. I love that place. I I my, I gave my heart and soul to Malibu. Okay, I did. Uh, and, and you know, every, my office was mine. I had you know, I had personal items in there. I had personal comics. I had pictures and and and, and flags and posters and art things that belonged to me mm-hmm. that I said. Once they get here, I don't want to have to argue that these things belong to me, right? Sure. So, uh, so she came up there. We packed up uh, my office, and, and and I took ninety percent of my personal belongings out. Uh, when I arrived at work the next day, I was about uh, an hour early. There were armed guards at the door. <laughs> you were very, very smart. It, it, it was, it was, you know, it was just one of those things, and um, and and so we went in, and at nine oh one, over the loudspeaker came Hank Knoltz, please come to Scott Rosenberg's office. Now you got to remember, Scott Rosenberg is still in New York City, right? But the lawyers. <laughs> had had commandeered his office and used it to fire everybody wow so when when hank comes walking hank was the first fired and so when hank comes walking back his office was right beside mine all right hank Uh, Hank canaltz hank canaltz uh hank went on to be a a, uh the senior vice president at dc comics he was he was with dc up until just a few months ago when they had their massive uh firing he was with dc comics for 24 years sure and, and, you know, D.C. just just fired like 800 people and he was one of the ones they let go. I was going to say really this, sad. This is really reminiscent of what D.C. just went through. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And, and in fact, he said I, I swap, uh, you know, I'm still friends with Hank. And, and he said it feels very much like that. He said he goes only this one's a, the D.C. one. He said was a little bit worse because hip in there 25 20 almost 25 years and you know we don't we hadn't been at, at malibu five years yet you know yeah so uh i mean it was still hurt don't get me wrong but when he comes walking back into his office i could see the look on his face and he just gave me a thumbs down and he walked into his office and closed his door and no sooner had he closed his door than, than the loudspeaker said rolling man Please come to Scott Rosenberg's office. <laughs> and uh, I, I went in there and um, they had paperwork for me to sign. And I said, can I, you know, I'm assuming I can take this and, and let a lawyer read over it. He said, 
it doesn't leave this office. He goes, this is a one-time offer. If you do not accept this, and they were offering me uh, severance, right? Sure, sure. Um, and, and they're like, you cannot take this paperwork. You're going to sign this, and um, we'll, and then you'll get your severance. If you walk out of this office, uh, you, you, this offer won't be available to you again. I had no choice. I sure. mean, I, I'm, I'm being fired and, and, you know, they're, they're, I didn't have, you know, I did not have any other cause it you know, caught us cold, you know, caught us blind and I didn't have any other jobs lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I don't know to this day, I'm not really sure what I signed. Sure. Um, it, but I signed in order to get me eight works with this eight weeks worth of severance. Sure. And, uh, and so I signed it and, uh, I got my severance, um, but uh yeah so um and and so i went home and moped um you know bj was working at uh cal state northridge at the time we had us uh we had us a place so mm-hmm. we, we weren't in any real uh, danger of uh us starving or being kicked out or anything like that but uh you know that was that was the reason we moved out to california and so i, I went home and was, was probably depressed for about a month until bj finally said stop it get up and do something <laughs> <laughs> bj was always the smartest of the two of you so that's yeah, absolutely yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um but you know what 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 happened then is that I decided, you know, I know how to do this stuff now. When I was doing when I tried to do top comics and go to all the banks and get money, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to get the money. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. You know, and of course I didn't I was a student at the time, so I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have any of that stuff. And I, you know, I had stuff for collateral that I could use. And so I said, I'll just I'll become a, a small press publisher. I can do it. I've, I've, you know, I've spent the last several years as an editor at Malibu and then at Marvel. I know how the machine works. I know how to take it now from start to finish where, where, you know, before that I really just kind of knew how to put a book together mm-hmm. and I didn't really know how to get it out to market. Right. So in, uh, and so the Marvel, so the Marvel layoffs all came in 96, right? The, uh, the fu- funny thing they were going, Marvel was going through a promotion called, uh, the Marvolution, right? Um, we affectionately refer to that period now as the marvel cution <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was 96. And um, so I just decided, you know what, I, I know how to do this stuff. I'm going to start Silverline and I'm going to be a publisher. And then in 97, it uh, took me a little while to get, you know, get stuff going. In 97, I started publishing comics um, under the, the label Silverline. And uh, that's what I refer to as Silverline 2.0. Um, but it's the first time I actually was a publisher. And from 97 then to uh, about 2000. Um, about 2000, I published about 13 comic books. Um, and I, I think I still have Cat Mouse 1 from that run. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I came across it not long ago going through some, some books. And, uh, yeah, so I still have, and I think it's cool. actually autographed by Roland Mann. So <laughs> well, hang on to it because, uh, you know, I've, I've got – I now have a volume two that's out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're – and, and I'm already working on a volume three. And we're actually talking about um, – uh, or I, I, say, I shouldn't say talking about it. I'm actually working on putting together an omnibus of uh, – of the run that you have that first issue of cool very nice yeah 
Yeah, so you can still find those out in the wild. Um, they're they're getting a little harder to find just because you know the kind of the people who are getting them are hanging on to them now. There's not a whole lot of people dumping them, um, uh, but you can still run across them. Uh, particularly the the later issues, not necessarily issues you know one two three four, uh, but uh, the later issues they're they're fairly easy to come across in the cheap boxes. Of course, <laughs> but but hey hey you you you. You you got it out there, so it was yep. it, it was a lot more difficult then to do an independent comment than than it is now. So oh man, yeah, uh, you, you know if, if technology and we can and I know you're 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 a big techno geek, right? And 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 so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Had the technology of print on demand, digital print on demand, not come around, I probably would not have relaunched Silverline 3.0, sure. right? Uh, because back then I had to, you know, we, we took orders and, you know, we solicited through, through, uh, through Diamond. We got the orders and, and you had to have a minimum print run of uh, 3,000 books, mm-hmm. right? So, unfortunately, my first handful of books paid for themselves but then towards the end, because the industry was crashing, right? It was a wrong time to start a publishing company. I, sure. you know, I, I didn't think about that. You know, I just, th- I just thought, oh, I know how to do this stuff now. I'm going to go do it. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the best part of the reason Marvel w- was, you know, declared bankruptcy and all these other companies went out of business. Um, but you had to, you know, you had to print. You had to have a minimum print run, and and so, you know, I can remember I printed Switchblade number three, uh, which was the final issue of that. And I think my orders for that were like 800 copies. I had, I, I had, what was that? 800, uh, you know, 2,200 copies in my garage. Not unlike John Grisham when he first published A Time to Kill and he was trying to sell them out of the back of his vehicle. <laughs> right. And he had boxes upon boxes of them. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, and, and, and that was the thing is that, that, you know, I ended up with a, a lot of books that, um, you know, I would have had to have done a lot of shows to move all of that product. Sure. Um, and not saying that it never would have moved, but it was just the wrong time. And, and, and so, um, so in 2000, uh, I, I called it quits. Um, I just said, yeah, I'm done. I, I hate comics. I hate Marvel. I hate DC. I hate every, I hate all comics. I hate everything. I hate everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I had been, I had been fired from, from Marvel, which we, you know, was kind of a a childhood dream to get, you know, when I got paid, this is the day of paychecks, right? I got my paycheck and Spider-Man was on my paycheck. You know, I'm like, look, mom, I made it. You know, I've arrived. I've arrived. So, well, yeah, that disappeared. You know, I lost all kinds of money. It was Silverline, and so yeah, I just hated everybody. All <laughs> right, so let's move past the uh, the uh, depressed, uh, grumpy rolling <laughs> stage, and then you know, a few years ago, Silverline 3.0, which you've yep. got a ton of product out there. Talk oh, about that. Yeah. Um, so. So after the depression and BJ once again kicked me and said, you know, get to work. Um, I went back to school, got a degree, started teaching, which is which is what my day job is now. I'm a university uh, instructor. I teach creative writing um, and which I absolutely enjoy. I I absolutely love doing. Um, But around 2000 and I think it was about 2009, I stumbled upon an advertisement for 
a publisher looking for someone to write an adaptation of Huckleberry Finn. Now, I will tell you, Huckleberry Finn is one of my all-time favorite novels. I, I know there's a, you know, a lot of the politically correct arguments about it and all that. I get that. But it's a, one of my all-time favorite novels. I was teaching it in my in my English comp class. And so I was doing research online trying to figure out what can I ask them that's going to – that they can't find easily online that is going to prove that they read the book. But I stumbled upon this website says, hey, we're looking for someone to do, write an adaptation of Huckleberry Finn. And of course, you have 10 years since I've done comics, right? Oh, nearly 10 years. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I could do that. But do I want to do that? <laughs> to get your heart do, broken again. Right, yeah. exactly. So, I, you know, so, Robbie, I sent this email. And it is it is in my history of emails probably the the least professional email I've ever sent. <laughs> okay. I sent them as this email like, yeah, I wrote a bunch of comics. I was an editor at Marvel in Malibu. I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> they emailed me back immediately and say you're hired. <laughs> I'm like, what? That was easy. I'm wow. like, no, it wasn't supposed to be that easy. Well, and, the, uh, the Malibu Marvel thing, okay, that 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 <laughs> takes you a couple of, uh, yeah, that 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 gets you where you need to be. You know, that yeah. that's a nice way to lead off. You know, the the email that, yeah, you you peons, I worked for the big dogs. You know, I I, I think I could fit you in my schedule. You know, I, you know, and I know my that email was laced with that and i regret it to this day you know but as i i just i know that it was laced with that because i didn't really want to do it but i did you know uh-huh. um and so so yeah so um so i i wrote an adaptation of huckleberry fan and when i was done they literally i submitted they've paid me faster than anybody has ever paid me ever right I submitted. Now, this is an Indian company. And when I say Indian, I don't mean American Indian. I mean India Indian, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, I make the, I always make the joke I was outsourced by India. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I submitted my script, right, one day. And literally, they PayPal'd me the very next day. Not really? even 24 hours. Yes. Uh, I'm like, did you even read it? You just, you know, accepted it and sent me money. But, um, but when I was done, Robbie, I'm like, that was fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I remember I do like comics, don't I? And they emailed me back and they said, "Do you want to do another?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." yeah. Uh, and so they sent me a list. Here's all the classic literature that we want to do. And I'm like, "Holy crap! Look at all of this!" You know. And so I I, I chose Wizard of Oz. And uh, I'm like, I would love to. To now, I had never read the book, so I had to read the novel, right? And um, and it, it was it's a good novel. I you it know is. I'm like, wow, this is actually this is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote that, and and then the person in charge asked me if I was available for a phone call. So she uh, skyped me back in then, and she said, listen. Uh, we love what you're doing. You have an impressive resume. We need editorial help. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Long story short, they yeah. were an automobile company that had all kinds of money that they were investing in um, um, uh, the the uh, child uh, child education. They were trying to get Indian kids to read, right? So I'm, I'm like, that's a fantastic program. And so I spent the next eight months as an editorial consultant for them. 
That's cool. That's it's very cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and it was me. And uh, I, I found out afterwards that they were talking to uh, um, another former Marvel editor, Howard Mackey, who uh, a lot of people know him for his uh, extensive run as a uh, writer on Ghost Rider. Um, and so we worked together to uh, create editorial guidelines for them uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. I, I, I got to do that. And it was about that time that um, I moved here and started teaching um, the comic class. And so, I, you know, my interest in comics and making them had kind of popped back up. And, and you know, my I was kind of kind of antsy kind of going you know what, what else could i do what that was fun i you know <laughs> i don't really want to be involved with them anymore but you know you 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 kind of had had had, had your appetite reawakened now now yes. here being you're at full sail university in orlando correct, correct? right yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, I moved down to uh, I moved down to to Full Sail in uh, 2011, and uh, started started teaching. Uh, yeah, I've almost been here ten years. Wow, um, that's hard. Yeah, to I know. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I remember when you took that job. Yep. Yep. Nuts. Um, Absolutely yeah. nuts. So. But, so, so, so you're teaching creative writing. You're you're yep. teaching comic books at Full Sail. I am. But but you know we don't want to hear about your day job. We want to talk a little bit more about Silverline 3.0. So yep. th- you 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 discovered Kickstarter and then, yes I did. And then what happened? So so I discovered Kickstarter and uh, I discovered um, now I, I have a full full transparency here. Uh, there's a comic printing company called Kablam. That's who I use. Uh, the owners that uh, Kablam's been around for about 15 years. Um, the owners are there's two of them, uh, Thomas Flormonti and Barry Gregory. I've known these guys for forever. Okay, Barry Gregory, I have probably known a- a longer than anybody. That I still currently speak to. Barry Gregory and I go back to, are you ready? The sixth grade. Oh, wow. Yes. Barry was a junior high pal in which he and I were drawing comics together on notebook paper. That's how long uh, I've known Barry. Thomas Flormonti, I met in college, uh, but but he predates uh, my comic career. I knew him because we kind of ran in the same geek circles. Sure. And when I and when I started uh, when I broke into comics, then he started saying, "Hey, I you know I want to make comics too," and uh, ultimately then I, I hired him as, as an inker. Uh, to do when I was at, at Marvel and at, at Malibu. Well, they started this print-on-demand uh, printing company. And um, when I moved down here, you know, I'd go down and have lunch with them and just kind of hang out. And I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm like, this is really cool. And they're showing me all the ins and outs. And I'm like, so wait, I can print one copy? One copy. They're like, yeah, yeah, you can just print one copy. I'm like, and there's not like a $90 setup fee. They're like, nope, you can print one copy. I'm like, so wait now. How does <laughs> I, I could, listen? I'm remembering what I had to do in the 90s and all of those books that I got stuck with, right? And so I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm like, so I could run a Kickstarter and if I get 100 backers, I can print 100 books. Was it? Yep. You can print hundred. He goes, oh, you. and of course Tommy is goofy. He's like, oh, you can print ninety nine if you want to, and just tell the other person, oh, sorry, print run short. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wait. And so, um, so I'm. I, that's when I decided. Okay, cool. And so the first thing I did now, this is before a little bit before Silverline. First thing I did was a, a book called Tiny. 
Okay, uh-huh. which and the I, way- I backed on Kickstarter for you. Yep, I, yeah. I think you even got some of the artwork, didn't you? I think so. It's yeah. somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, it's in my and, office. And, well, no, the way this happened though is my daughter kept coming to me. She says, "I have a friend that does art. I have a friend that does art here." You know, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever." Right? <laughs> Finally, she shoves the artwork in my face. It's like, "Dad, she's really good. You should look at it." And I'm like, "Wow, she is really good." And she said, "She wants to make a comic," and I'm like, "Really." Okay, this could be my opportunity to make a comic, test out Kickstarter, see how it all works. So that's how Tiny came about, right? Sure. Well, because of that, I began to reinsert myself into the comic book industry, reach out to the people who I used to know. Uh, You know, I talked to Dean Zachary again, who I met, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and we decide that we're going to do a comic. Uh, we start working on that comic and he says, why don't you do cat and mouse again? And I'm like, um, you know, maybe, but, uh, so he talks me into it and he's like, you know, he and Barb then are like, well, you could bring back Silverline. And so I'm tell- telling BJ this whole thing. And she says, yeah, I, I, I told you that you should bring back Silverline. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. Now let me, let me back up and say when i was doing comics in the 70s losing money she was one of the first that said you got to stop this <laughs> like she's like you cannot lose any more money I, dude i lost a lot of money oh i bet right yeah and she's like you cannot do this anymore and and so when the idea to re- relaunch silverline a couple of years ago she's like well here's the deal you got the print on demand she goes just don't lose money sure and i'm like She's like, yeah. She said, keep making comics. She said, just don't lose money. And so that's kind of the directive she gave me. And that's why I really dove into this Kickstarter thing. Now, you you mentioned it. Uh, dude, we've done uh, – and just in the last two years, I've done about 18 comics. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around about Kickstarter, how, you know, the, the, you, you, you pledge to a Kickstarter and you're waiting years and years for, that's not the way I do. That's not the way I do business. And some people tell me, well, Roland, you're doing it wrong because Kickstarter's for you to raise the funds. I'm like, I get it, but I've seen so many people burned by pledging to a Kickstarter and then never receiving. And I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be that guy, True. you know? I don't want to be that guy that, oh, yeah, we pledged to Roland's, you know, Kickstarter three years ago and I'm still waiting for the book. Yeah. And and so I will not Kickstart a book until we're done or, you know, like 95 percent done. And I know that we can finish the last bit during the campaign, like like the last campaign we did. We we had not finished uh, inking and coloring our covers. But I knew that we could do that in, in you know, in two weeks time. And we did. Right. We, we were able to finish those during the campaign. And I, and I you know, uh, showed everybody the updates. Um, and so, yeah. So um, I just finished my 12th campaign. And what's the uh, what's the book that you uh, you just finished up your campaign for? Yep. So so <laughs> uh, you say the book. Yeah. About a year ago, we noticed that we had too many comics that were ready to go. So we started doing flip books. I do two books a, a Kickstarter now because I'm, we, Silverline is producing so much content. I can't afford to wait uh, and just do one book. So we're doing flip books for our Kickstarter exclusives. And this last month, we did uh, uh, Bea number one 
and Silverline Team Up number one featuring Champion and Miss Fury. Uh, both of those comics are written by me, which is not always the case. I, I publish other people as well, but both of those are written by me. Uh, Silverline Team Up uh, features Champion, who was first introduced in uh, Cat and Mouse issue number three. Um, and it features Miss Fury, who is a public domain character from the 1940s. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't I don't remember. Do you know um, the Oxford? Uh, yeah, the Oxford physician, uh, Dr. Phil, uh, Dr. Uh, shoot, uh, Dr. Will Dabbs. Do you know him by any chance? No, no. OK. Anyway, um, he uh, he is the inspiration for the our physician in our comic book. Um, um, long story short, the two heroes find themselves in New Orleans and uh, they find themselves in a lot of trouble. So they have to team up. Right, because it's Silverline team up. They have to team up in order to de- de- defeat the bad guys. And then the other one, uh, Bea number one, is a, um, a very different book, but it is a it's the story of um, the playroom when the kid leaves. Right, kind of, uh, so kind what, of a Toy Story type of approach. Very much so, and and I tell people that yes, I I, I would be lying to you if I said. Toy Story was not one of the inspirations, but uh, Winnie the Pooh was a, a big inspiration. Um, I, I can't quote the exact line, but you probably know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in which Winnie the Pooh and, and, and uh, Christopher Robin are sitting, and uh, they're sitting on kind of on a hill, looking looking over the Hundred Acre Woods, and and uh, you know Pooh gets a little maudlin, and, and and I think he's thinking about you know Christopher Robin dying, and uh, you know it's done in, in a very kid friendly way, you know of course. Uh, and I think the thing is like, you know, hey, when, uh, you know, how old will will I be when you're 100? And he said, uh, or, or he says, I'm going to live to be 100. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pooh says, how old will I be? And he says, you'll be 99. He says, well, then I hope I live to be 99. Uh, you know, in, in other words, he doesn't want to live if Christopher Robin's not there, sure, right? Sure. And so that's kind of what planted the seed in my head. What happens to Pooh? What happens to the Hundred Acre Woods when Christopher Robin is not there? And that's kind of what this story is, is, is what happens to the toys when the kid leaves. And so the premise, uh, the, the story starts in which um, the toys think the kid is dead and they just call him the kid. Yeah. And they're like, the kid is dead. Uh, woohoo! We have no laws, we have no rules, except and, and everyone believes that except for Bear. Bear is the one who goes and tells them, "No, the kid isn't dead. He's just gone to the big house, and he's going to make us a new playroom. And when he's done, he's going to get us all, and he's going to take us. You've got to still obey the kid's laws." so that we can all go with him when he finishes the playroom. And of course this, you know, chaos and lawlessness there and and, and Bear is the one who's trying to to put a stop to all that. So almost a a combination of Toy Story and Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not charging so, you anything for the marketing advice you're getting here, Roland. I'm not I appreciate that. Anything yeah. at all. So cool, cool. Well, what, I, I am making notes, by the way. There you go. There you go. So uh, as we record this, has um, you know, I didn't do this research. Uh, 
Are you still are you still kickstarting? I'm hitting the kickstarters. It's still or is it over? No. It's done. No, no. It, it ended. Um, it ended last uh, last week, um, and so we are we are in the we are at that stage where we're waiting for the Kickstarter funds. Yeah. Good luck uh, with that. Yeah, well, no, you know, I, I've I've um, I've had luck uh, with Kickstarter. Yeah, um, they they deliver them to me right at fourteen days after um, the Kickstarter is over. Yeah, so uh, I don't expect them. Um, I, I expect them next Monday is when I expect sure. the funds. Sure. Um, that'll be 15 days after the the end of the the Kickstarter, but Monday is the first business day. So they've been pretty good about uh, about delivering it. Um, so, and as soon as that happens, I will, um, I will basically, I will forward that money to Kablam and, uh, print the comics. They'll take a couple of weeks to print them. I'll get them and then I'll, uh, ship them out to all of our backers. So, so how long does, I mean, is it a two week process for Kablam to print? I mean, how, how quick can they get to your, once you submit artwork that's, that's in a proper format? So I think, I think on their website, I, I think. Uh, and I haven't been on the website to look at that information in a while. I think on the website they they have like a six week turnaround, but it helps to know people. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus you they're they're in Orlando in the Orlando area as well, correct? They're they're in Orlando. Look, I've known one guy for forty years. I've known the other one for thirty years. <laughs> you, you just show up at their place and say, "I'm not leaving until you start running the book." Okay, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm here for the long haul. So yeah, <laughs> I I usually I usually give them a couple of weeks and then I uh, and then I send uh, I I usually uh, message Tommy back and forth and I usually say, "Hey, I'm going to come down Thursday and have lunch. The books be ready." He's like, "Yeah, we'll make it happen." <laughs> Fun, fun. (laughs) Roland, great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so very much, Robbie, for, uh, for talking with me. I had a blast. Good to hear your voice, man. Same here, man. Take care.